Here we are now. Or at least, so it would appear. So it would seem to be that we are here right now. Today, I'd like to read from my travel diary. And it's an isolated entrance. It's a little bit strange. It's a little bit personal. So, if you're interested in travel diary and the things that might reveal how different a person can be on any given day, well, this is the conversation for you. And how long has it been since I said, every day just seems so different from the next? Has it been too long? Has it been too short? Do I say that too often? Has it lost all meaning with how often I say it? Regardless of whether I say it, think it or not, I guess I have to say now that it's true. It's definitely true of today. And as I sit here thinking, I cannot remember a single thing that I have done today. And I sort of don't want to. I sort of don't want to. I think I'm okay with just being in this dream for now. Now to today's conversation, which is this travel diary entrance, which I sort of came across by chance because it's not done in my normal travel diary. It's not done in one of my main travel diaries. Now, when I travel, I just have like one booklet, which is my main booklet. But this one's different because it's sort of in a scrapbook. It's sort of this writing that I did as a one-off. And let me set the scene for you. Let me set it up for you. Basically, I wrote these words when I was doing a visa run and I was in India. So the visa that I was on at the time meant that every 90 days... I had to leave India. I had to cross the international border, even if it was for one day, and then come back. Then it was all right. And that's what I was doing. I was traveling to get out of India for one day and then coming straight back. And there's sort of a story in that of itself, because I overstayed that visa by one day and ended up getting in a whole bunch of trouble at the border. And it was this huge thing, and I got a fine and... I was really shocked and there was talk that I was going to be in jail and held for days and have my visa taken from me for eight years, this sort of thing. So there was a lot of uncertainty and there were a lot of significant shifts that happened for me personally. In fact, that was when I knew I was going to be called Dosta. It was part of the events that surrounded me getting my name, Dosta. But that's a separate story. This is just sort of what I want to share today, a little part of that or a sort of chapter in that story. And I wrote these words when I was in Hyderabad. And I had never heard of this city in my life until I saw it on my plane ticket. Never even thought to go there. 
And basically, I'd turned up after having two flights out of India, a one-day stay in a hotel, and one flight back. And I had a nine-hour wait to get the flight from Hyderabad back to Pune, which was where I was staying in India. So, basically, I was jet-lagged. I hadn't had any proper food in two days. I had nothing to do. I was overtired. And I wrote this <laughs> I wrote this title. It says, No Title Notes. And the, the timestamp was Hyderabad, India, Wednesday 23rd, 2019. And in brackets, it says, The nine-hour wait for my flight. Now, I didn't even write what month. Right? So that says a little bit about how absent-minded I was when I was writing this. And I was sitting in a cafe, drinking some chai for a couple of hours. I was sitting in a food court, eating a pizza for a couple of hours. And I was sitting on the front lawn of the taxi rank or just sort of outside the airport for a couple of hours. And after a couple of hours of each of those, you still have a couple of hours left, right? It was a nine-hour wait. It was a long wait. It felt like a very long time. And I've always had this thing of, well, I can just meditate. I can just do some awareness techniques, or I can do something, or I can dream, or I can think, or there's always something to do, right? But in honesty, I was just wrecked. I was completely wrecked. And I took to writing this stuff down in the journal, in this sort of scrap piece of paper, just for something to do. And I was absolutely sure at the time that it was complete trash, what I was writing. There was just not any sense of anything good or of worth or anything coherent at all with what I was writing. And I sort of put it in my bag. It fell to the bottom of my bag and stayed there until I came home months and months, maybe six months later or something like that. So it then probably stayed in my bag for a couple of months, maybe a year, and then I pulled it out and then it was stuck on a shelf and then maybe two years later or something or whatever, recently, whatever it is, whatever time has passed, I picked it up again. And <laughs> I read these notes and it was just like that, that big shock of meeting your former self or meeting a version of yourself which you had like, I had absolutely no memory of it, no sense of feeling for it, no sense of integration with it. It was just completely alien to me what sort of state I was in, what sort of person I was. It was really all of it. It was really everything that I was, was unfamiliar to me. Now, of course, as I read, I did remember. Like, visually, I remember 
being in the cafe, being in the food court, being on the front lawn, waiting around, walking around the airport. I remember what I was thinking. I remember how I was feeling as I started to read it. But it was astonishing that I hadn't thought or felt or had any connection to that moment since I had written these things. It was a lost experience, completely lost. And yet reading this and having it come back to me worked. It still happened. And I guess that's the point of a travel diary. I guess that's the point of any sort of journal. It's to have that encounter with yourself that you couldn't have any other way. So I'd like to read... I'd like to read just about all of it. It is quite long. I mean, it's not too long. don't know how long it will take me to get through it. And it's handwritten in very scrappy writing, so I might struggle with some of the spellings. And you can be the judge as to what it was like for me to be in Hyderabad at that time. And let's see if there's anything of worth at all in this. So, in Hyderabad, India, on Wednesday the 23rd, 2019, of an unknown month, I wrote this. What is the difference between a solid thought and a stable thought? The quality of the answer only shows hints of what kind of structure surrounds it. Biographical, situational, and personal descriptions have a receding line that fades from the irrelevant to the personal. Density of thought depends on how much can be seen in how little. Original thoughts happen only after a great thirst to find something new, which is often preceded by a frustration and boredom with everything. Stringing ideas together is often only for the sake of presenting it in an accessible way. What will happen if is a question asked from a distance, without the guts to go ahead and do what it takes to find out what will happen if. Trying to maintain a steady tone of voice is pointless and tiresome. There naturally wants to be differences, contrast and comic relief. Seeing a child gesture in such a way as to want a sip from her father's chai. Starting to relax the writing arm and the shoulder. Letting words come onto the page and remembering why I started to write like this. Find a voice that has something to say. Talk less about talking and more about 
what needs to be said. I am reminded of an old philosophical question. What is the most important thing to say? Can I simply keep the flow going until things clarify themselves? Do my questions come from a place of doubt? Force yourself to only make statements, not questions. Relentless questions are a move towards fluidity and openness. Relentless statements are a move towards solidity and strength. There is a tendency in me to revert back to asking questions. There is a paradox between questions and statements. There are influences that can be seen, influences that can be intuitively discovered, and influences that are completely hidden in any given situation or thought. What will happen if... I am writing because I want to turn my thought process into something more tangible. But tangible is the wrong word for it. Thoughts feel incredibly good when they are in the mind. Once they make their way into the real world, they don't seem to be so brilliant. But that's not exactly right, because so much depends on meaning and context. The ability to speak in a meaningful way is only the beginning. Meaning is not hard to make. Meaningfulness is everywhere. The term, or suffix, of fullness in relation to context seems to suggest that how big something is determines its meaningfulness. Things seem hard to do before you've done them, but easy to do after. But this applies on a rolling scale, as in it applies to things as activities, not as individual actions. Our situation seems hopeless when the full ramifications of what hope is, is absent. There is now a lingering temptation to descend into autobiographical writing. I want to stay away from travel diary kinds of writing. It seems I still haven't learnt to write how I really feel and express what my inner world is like at the moment. Who is writing for? What is writing now? It is possible to say everything in only a few words. The theme is hidden from me. Write something that isn't about this writing. A thing talks about what is happening to it. If a thing talks long enough, the talking will change what is happening to it. It is not possible for words to change reality instantly in a dramatic way in the same sense that that it is not possible for an atomic bomb to explode suddenly.
What has nothing to do with the current situation is the hardest to make sense. Don't say not words meaning making things. Let writing happen somewhere psychology. Stories, words, repetition. I'm feeling tired. Still eight hours until my flight. It is easy to write when writing directly from reality in a detailed way. It is hard to write when writing to express a big idea or a lofty dream. I'm sitting in a little chai shop in the Hyderabad airport. About seven small groups of people have come, had chai and left since I sat down with my coffee and banana cake. Pop music is playing over some speakers. The fit-out of the place is trendy. Wooden furniture, organic-looking, slick lighting. There are six people behind the counter, plus the boss or the owner or manager. Out the window, people and workers pass by. There is a taxi rank, trees and some water fountains. Does forcing myself to write when I am tired help me learn and develop the ability to write? I'm sure I'm going to read back over this and see that it is pointless. But why worry? Maybe when the brain is tired, it is best to do cognitive development exercises. Space and time collide in the middle of nowhere. Characters keep coming to mind. Soon they'll each be a speck of dust in my mind's storm. All worlds have fallen into nothing. At least now I am waiting for the pizza I ordered. Where to now with this story? Only the future knows. Let words happen. Put shapes in the forms of letters on the page. Plug into a tone of voice pattern. For example, the motivational speaker. A call to action is powerful when executed well. Speaking to an emotion takes an understanding of what words and tone of voice fits with each emotion. There is a different set for each emotion. One idea I had previously was to swap the tone of voice with the words. For example, happy words with sad tone of voice, or vice versa. Soon things will shift again. Soon I will remember that brand new feeling from long ago. Podcast Ideas There are a number of series I want to do. One is what it's like to wake up as a musician. Waking up with music. This is also something that goes with growing up or speaking up. Music is the centre of reality. Music is the very essence of what it means to be awake. There are many examples of music and wakefulness. Perceptions, the body, the mind, emotion and situations all have a music to them. It is possible to connect music, or what we might call a conventional music definition, with a cosmic music. It is also possible 
to connect conventional music with inner music. There is also a collective music. Cosmic music is everywhere. It is the non-dual symphony that surrounds and is in every moment. Inner music is the sound of the mind, the heart, and the body. It is the subjective, the personal, and the thing that is only known to you. Identity also has a big part of music. Identity is yet another thing to understand in relation to music and waking up. The statement, I am a musician, can be used as a koan or an inquiry into what music means to a person. In a cosmic sense, everyone is a musician. The leading question is, what does it mean to be a musician? All aspects of life can be considered including diet, routine, habits, social circles, scripts, internal and external, emotions, behavior, philosophy, self-concept, intelligence, etc. Another leading question is how to find music. This can be put into all of the main forms of music understanding. How to find cosmic music. Listen to existence in many ways. How to find inner music. Listen to your mind. Listen to your heart. Listen to your soul. You might need to listen for a while before you hear music of your own. How do you find conventional music? Do what conventional musicians do. Practice, study, get lessons, talk with other musicians... How do you find collective or community music? Go to where the music is being played. Build a social network. Music and spiral dynamics. Describe music at each of the levels of development. Remember to include the values, the beliefs, the desires, what it feels like, and what each stage thinks of each other stage. Music and states, peak performance, practice, learning, emotional centers, mental centers, body parts, chakras, non-dual states, diffuse mode, neural plasticity, religious music, conventional religion, organized religion, hierarchy religion, conservative religion, traditional religion, personal religion. A religion is an attempt to put the best of a single person's inner experience into the collective of the masses. This is reflected in music as music that is consumed en masse in large amount across many people. It is an attempt for the composer to share their soul. Music and religion is canonized for the same reason. To preserve a pure experience. The point of music is to express a personal religion. Personal religion is what makes original music. The question of how to find your personal religion is the same as how to find your personal music.
religion at its core is defined by a phenomenological experience. Religion on the surface is defined by rituals, rules, personalities. Figurvis. I can't read that word. Text, architecture, creed, beliefs, philosophy, and hierarchy. At least writing like this helps me helps keep me in creative mode, away from consuming mode. Santa's autobiography is a book that was written by one of the elves. The question is, can a book be about a person without them even knowing it? There is a book about you, but you don't know it. You have done the same things that the lead character has done. Some things you understand, other things you don't understand. The reason Mr. Dutton left the book on the kitchen table was because that was said in the book itself. He also got the book last year, it appears by chance. Another question to ponder is why does Mr. Dutton need to get the book back so desperately? Why is it so bad that Santa has the book? Maybe it's because if he reads it, he will find out that he is not the instigator of his own life. He will learn that his future has already happened. This book is not of the normal world. It is magic. I'm also trying to fit in a scene where Mr. Dutton snorts DMT to learn how Santa got his superpowers. Or maybe it's to learn how to meet Santa. Or maybe Santa gives it to him as a present. The point of that is, there are some people that you can't understand until you have done what they have done. Why is writing by hand so punishing? Get the flow of your thoughts to move onto the page. Keep words coming. Describe what is happening. I'm sitting on a couch. Is why the handwriting is different. The dogs are sniffing about, sometimes rumbling. Read the book Sense of an Ending by Julian Barnes. With a name like that, you must be destined to be a famous writer. A thought I've said to myself a few times today. It's a great book, dense and beautifully written. I notice repetitions and recontextualizations. I'm wondering how in the hell I'm going to tell about my trip, but I am still hung up about trying to convey the vastness in the limited. Remember, the trick is simply to speak from the heart, or from the moment, or from your being. I notice a few insights of my own come to mind that I have had the same shape as the Barnes book. The micro part expresses the macro whole. Each miro is a mini, reversal, or expansion, or paradox. Themes are repeated by smaller repetitions of longer sections, cognitively speaking. It must take the mind a few times 
to read something before it sinks in. The trick is to connect all the parts. Why can't I write like I talk? Is that even the objective? How could I forget that it has rarely been a hang-up for me to be able to speak like written words? Insight always needs an explanation. Meta-insight always needs a worldly example that is simple and tangible. Meaning is context-bound. An even bigger meaning is created by expanding to the size of the original context, thus rendering the original meaning either meaningless or destroyed of its function. Larger and larger rings of context, strung together, give a sense of expanding mind. Something has definitely shifted. It's made obvious by coming back and talking to the same person, who hasn't changed in years. I don't recognise the sound of my voice. But does he notice anything? It's of little consequence. I'm at deep ease with how much other people don't see. But that is to say, I'm not indifferent to it. I see a tub of hair gel on the bathroom sink. The text on it is jarring, no capitals, until I realise it's a sarcastic joke. I wonder who was the first person to use sarcasm to sell a product. They made it, probably made a whole company out of it and made a lot of money. Remember your ability to see and feel the sensation of doing something only for the immediate juice it gives. You can only have what is right in front of your senses, all 16 of them. Right now, this way, at this time, in this place. Speaking a slightly uncomfortable truth is more juicy than making up something you think might be more awkward than a bland statement to cover up an awkward truth. If you lose your train of thought, no matter, it will return. Children new to the path of meditation can get frustrated at their occasional, or even frequent, loss of attention slash train of thought. Idea of the day. Name characters in your book after street names, if you need to change their names for anonymity. Might not be such a good idea. Lane D doesn't make for such a good name. Some recent thoughts on being dyslexic, or is it multidimensional synoptic firing? I went to gate 24C instead of 34C for my flight and then sat in seat 25H instead of 24H. I looked at a pack of baked bars and and it said cranberries before I realised it actually says grandmas. Or was it the other way around? In my defence, it was a strange heading font. 
or was it just cursive? Sometimes when writing by hand, I write the words starting from the second letter, get halfway through writing the word, realise I didn't write the first letter, so go back to write it before finishing off the rest of the word. <laughs> I just have to laugh at that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sometimes, wait, I've lost my spot. Sometimes when writing by hand, I write the word starting from the second letter, get halfway through writing the word, realize I didn't write the first letter, so go back to write it before finishing off the rest of the word. <laughs> Sometimes I put the first letter of the next word as the last letter of the word that goes before it, even sometimes leaving a space and choosing a random first letter for the next word because I know they are meant to be different letters. Sometimes sentences don't make any sense at all on purpose to make any sense. Okay, so that's as far as I'll read. I think I think a few of those pages would have been not written in Hyderabad. They would have been written at a different time, maybe either on a flight or in a hotel somewhere. So I don't exactly remember, but <laughs> that sort of gives you a it sort of gives you a taste of what was happening in my state of mind and, and I remember man it's so funny that I would say that about writing the letter at the different end in the different order and also like the different number of the flight and the different seat. I remember I had this thing, I had this thing around that time where I was always out by one and there was this like, it was like this whole string of things which I did by the wrong type, by like one. Like I turned up for one of my programs one day early and then I went to one room which was like on the one level wrong and it was like so bizarre how I was doing this and I couldn't work out why. And I remember specifically the one I wrote about that I was just reading to you, which is when I was at gate like 34H instead of 24H. And I remember it because I was like in line and these people in front of me were also at the wrong gate. And I was just like, so full of myself. I was just like, these guys are idiots. They're at the wrong gate. They don't even realize that their flight is about to leave and they might miss their flight. They obviously don't travel. And I'm like puffing myself up like, oh, I have been on like over a dozen flights this year all across so many countries. And I'm just so experienced. I know how this works. Turn up early to the correct flight. Turn up early to the correct gate for your plane. And I'm just like, I'm just like pouring out this judgment on these people who are in line, a front, like a few people in front of me in the guard or the person who checks the bag is just like looking at their tickets saying, no, you're in the wrong place. You have to go. And then I turned up like a minute later when it was my turn 
And they said the same thing to me. And I was just like, oh my God, how could I have been so full of myself? I'm in the wrong place. And I've done the exact same thing. And I was such an asshole, like thinking all these things to these people. Oh man, I remember that. (laughs) I did get on the flight. I I remember I didn't miss a flight. It's quite remarkable. I probably did over a dozen flights and I never missed one. I did have some long waits though. I had some very long layovers. I don't think nine I don't think the nine hour Hyderabad was even the longest one. I think I had like a I had like an eighteen hour one once. I can't remember where it was exactly, but I had some long layovers. So Whoa, yeah. I mean, is there anything of value in those ideas? Is there anything of value in what I've written? Not in the way that you would think. Like to re-encounter myself from a different period in a different state, that's the value of it. It's not like I am taking the exact ideas and then working with them directly in the way that I probably imagined at the time or knew that I wouldn't be able to at the time (laughs) in a manner of speaking. So, yeah, wow. Like it just shows testament to how important it is to self-reflect. It's so important to make a note. And it's so simple. Like, it's so easy to just write something down. Now, I do remember that actually it was very hard to write that. Like, physically. Like, I had a cramp in my hand. I was very tired. I couldn't concentrate at all. And that's why I was saying something about, like, Why is writing so punishing or why is writing so hard? Maybe you can get a sense of that as I'm reading it, of how difficult it was. And it was very scrappy handwriting. It was very difficult to sort of make out some of those words. But man, what a trip. What a trip to really encounter. And like, imagine if you could really encounter all that you are. Imagine if you could go back and just relive in a small kind of way each and every single state that you've been in, every mood, every place, every atmosphere. What kind of being would you be? What kind of life, what kind of richness, what kind of magic would that create? It's just... It's just mind-boggling to really consider it. And of course, I know that that's possible. I've since learnt that that's essentially what you're doing with self-reflection. That's essentially what you're doing with autobiographical work. And I am working on my autobiography. It will be out in some time in the future. And I'm also working on an online course which will help with structures of autobiography writing. So if you're interested in that sort of thing, keep an eye out for it because I will be putting together certain methods, certain techniques, certain things that can help with that and help you to really go into those difficult to find places because memory is not enough. Memory is never going to go to every single resource 
it can be a good start. It can be very powerful. Of course, memory is something that we all need to strengthen and be aware of and have a a, a good relationship with. But there's really more to it than that. There's really more to opening up your self-reflection. So I feel like now, is there a lesson for this? Is there a lesson to learn? I guess not. I mean, <laughs> just... Keep a travel diary. When you travel, keep a diary. And who knows, maybe two years later or maybe it's like two, yeah, it's over two years later since I wrote that and now sitting back laughing. I guess I guess now this conversation here could be something that we laugh at, right? I mean, how, how different is this conversation going to sound? Like the same thing... The same thing goes towards the future. So you can get a sense of how different you've been in the past to how different you are going to be in the future. That's what comes to me. That's what I sense. Now, I'm guessing that I'm probably never going to listen to this. But, you know, maybe I thought at the time when I was writing this travel journal that I would never read it. So who knows? I mean, I don't listen to my own podcast because I don't have time and I only have a quick skim through when I'm uploading it just to sort of check up on some little bits here and there. I don't do really any editing. So what you're hearing is pretty much like raw writing, just like the travel diaries just straight out, straight out with the hand, no editing, no, there's no backspace. I guess that's another good thing about writing by hand is there's no delete button so yeah that's an experience to share that's a personal experience and I hope it's motivated you to travel and to keep a travel journal even for those times when you're absolutely exhausted and tired beyond repair it might seem and if you can't travel if you're not traveling at the moment then do some self-reflection because really you can keep a journal anywhere you are and it will have the same effect. However it is in your situation right now, there's going to be things that you miss. So self-reflect on today. Self-reflect on what's it like right now because the next day will be different and the next and the more you open to that, the more different each day is. And the more different each day is, the more rich life is. Whoa, what a day, what a life. I'm astonished. Thanks very much for tuning in. My name is Dosta, and I'll be back very soon with more. That's all I have to say for now.